Let's talk about what an implementation plan looks like for AAC, Alternative Augmentative Communication and Assistive Technology. So after you, the child, and the team have chosen the device, we get to the fun part, which is programming it and actually learning how to use it. And I'm talking about the whole team, the child and their team getting to learn it and utilize it and try it out in different spots. So if you remember back in episode number 20, we talked about the importance of presuming competence and really the heart of communication. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, I highly recommend you go do that right now um, because we'll be drawing on a lot of information from that episode. Welcome to the Friends and Family Guide to Speech Therapy and ADHD Coaching. I'm your host, Tracia Wong. I'm a speech language pathologist and the owner of Illuminate Family Workshop, a private practice in Phoenix, Arizona. I'm thrilled to bring you this podcast where we explore the power of communication and connection and how language plays a crucial role in both. In each episode, we'll dive into topics related to child development and language processing and how your student might benefit from speech therapy or coaching. The mission of this podcast is to shine light on the variety of ways to build up our students' confidence through language and ways to build resilience so they can be the fullest and most aligned expression of themselves in today's world. You'll get to hear about ways to support them at home and at school. We'll talk about how we can celebrate and honor a child's unique personalities while highlighting their strengths and promoting a growth mindset to do hard things. I'm here to share my expertise and experience with you, but I also want to hear from you. So if you've got a specific topic or question you'd like me to cover, send me a DM on Instagram at Illuminate Family Workshop. Let's jump into today's episode. So there's a couple of things that you will want to remember to keep this implementation process positive and smooth and successful and and get that momentum going. Number one is you and the child are learning together. You're going to want to be in learning mode. That's the perspective shift I want you to have. So it is okay that you don't yet know all the features on the device. And the more you and the child use the device, the more comfortable you're going to get with it. If I don't use a program frequently, I'll notice myself fumble a little bit or um, it, it will just be a little bit more chunky of a, my modeling will be a little bit more chunky. So when possible, what I like to do is to set aside some time when I'm not with the client to reacquaint myself with a program that I haven't used frequently or recently. So since you and the child are learning together, it's okay that you guys make mistakes. You guys are allowed to get frustrated together too. And whether or not you you can see it in the moment, you're actually modeling something to the child. You're actually modeling how to navigate um, something when you can't find the right word when you are um maybe you're the you know the battery dies on the device um and then you both have to have a learning moment here on oh we have, these are the times that we need to make sure that it's charged maybe when you're sleeping so that it's up and running before we need it to do something else right or maybe something glitches and this is how you solve it this is how we turn up the volume when we can't hear something so you're All of these things that you're learning, the child is also learning too. One of the best ways to teach kids how to have that growth mindset, that stretch mindset, is if we can model that and practice that with them. 
one of the things that I've noticed um, people say and one of the themes I picked up on as I've been training um, staff and family members for years is that I notice people will say, oh, I'm not good with technology. It always goes haywire on me. I hate technology. Technology hates me. And I have to call this out because they're often, they're, they're unhelpful narratives and we need to shift these into more of a neutral statement if you want to have a smooth, um, a smooth process here and not have to go up against technology every single time. Um, this person who has those types of statements are often going, I've noticed that they're often more resistant around AAC um, and around the technology and it, it's not because of the child not being proficient with it yet, uh, but their own narratives that get in the way of that child being exposed to this type of um, method of communication. And so if these are some statements that and some sayings that you're you're approaching this experience with, you're going to continue to have the frustrating experiences. So what could be helpful if you're noticing um, some people on your child's team um, say some of these things or you're noticing yourself have these conversations too, you can either model this for the person um, or you can even practice this yourself too if, if you're the one having difficulty with the technology, is shifting those and replacing those with something like, I am learning something new. Something simple as that basic, right? Being in that learning mode or something like, I will get more comfortable with the technology the more I use it. Statements like that, um, that allow for change to happen, growth to happen. I actually love when um, I work with people who are making these kinds of statements like, I'm not good with technology, you know, technology hates me, we just have a terrible relationship with technology, because when we start to shift those and replace those statements, and then they start getting momentum and seeing success in the student utilizing a device, and themselves, they're getting more comfortable, they are best equipped to share with the next person who also has that narrative that they previously had with their success story. They can say, hey, I used to think like that too, and this is why it's important to replace those narratives, or, and this is what I found out. And so they get to be relatable people that can share their experience with others and and really continue to keep that momentum within the team. And then if it's not that child's team, it might be somebody else. In episode 20, I gave this analogy of the client, the AAC user, being a musician and their device being an instrument. So I want to ask you, what's the relationship you have with the instrument? What I like to do is to model and narrate, and when I'm looking for words on the device with the child and show them what that looks like. So I might say like, oh, um, you know, we're looking for the word big, and I would go, hmm, big, huh, that's a describing word. I, let's look at our describing words here. Oh, right here, big. The dog is big. And so I would... That, that's some of the ways that I would model looking for a word that I didn't know how to use um, or, or knew where that was. 
I hope this gives you a bit of a visual of what it looks like to learn together. You know, we also talked about the heart of communication in episode 20 and and this time that you are spending doing this together is super valuable in that in building that connection and when we can build that connection, we build the communication. All right, now number 2, the second thing that I want you to remember is to keep it simple and keep expanding. This sounds like I'm contradicting myself here, but I want you to visualize like a Venn diagram in your mind. Keep it simple on one side and keep expanding on the other and then finding that sweet spot in the middle. When um, there's a couple of different like archetypes that I've noticed when I, when I train people and families and such, um, I notice the people that get overwhelmed really easily that, um, well, they're just I mean, okay, maybe it's not fair to call them out like that, but I noticed the families that get overwhelmed, um, what's most helpful for them is to keep it simple. And, you know, this might be the family that, or the person who is like, well, I can't model the whole sentence because I don't know where they are. And, you know, I, I get distracted by the other things that are going on or whatever it may be. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Let's do, let's just, the, the goal is to use it. So we might give them, like, we might have a word of the week um, that we're continuing to model throughout the week um, in various different ways and settings and activities. And so that'll be their thing. So we're keeping it simple. We're focusing on one word, um, a core vocabulary word that can be used across settings, one of the building blocks for language here. And that's the way we're keeping it simple. And what it does is it gets them um, to build confidence in the ways that they are build confidence and they're feeling successful. And then from there, we have the momentum to keep going. um, If there's someone who might be more overwhelmed by the device. Now, there is a point where keeping it too simple doesn't challenge the student and make it, they, they've, per, they've surpassed that goal, um, they've moved on, they've graduated, and we're keeping it so simple that it, it's not relevant to them um, anymore. So we want to continue to expand, and that's where I believe that it's really important to have consistent, um, a, a consistent person and therapist throughout all the settings because you're getting to see them use it in different ways. So um, when there's not that continuity of um, of support, um, in one setting, they might say like, oh, well, the student doesn't use it in this kind of way. So like, we'll keep them at, you know, say this level and, and do this type of thing with him. And then in another setting, they're like, wow, he's building like these complex sentences and creating stories and, you know, doing this types, these types of things. And then they continue to push, but there, there needs to be some continuity around the implementation process so that we can continue to challenge and find that sweet spot for the student um, in those different settings. As a therapist, what I like to do, and if you're a therapist, um, this is going to be helpful for you to know as well because you can visualize yourself in this role as someone who um, continues to expand because you've always got that next stage, that next step um, in the developmental you know, milestones and, and how you want... How, how vocabulary is built, how sentence structure is built. You've got that background knowledge. I've got that background knowledge. So I can continue to push the boundaries on like, oh, okay, like let's try this. Let's expose them to this. Let's let's show all these ways. And then you take that, like what they're being successful with, you pass that over to the rest of the team, the teacher, the family, the tutor, whoever, the other therapists that they're working with. And then they get to go generalize those skills that you're building um, and build confidence and get reps 
steps out of those those current skills. So you expand and then the rest of the team also expands and they build up confidence in those areas. So then you have some direction on um, where to go. That's a lesson and a method that I learned being in the field um, because I noticed how I would my implementation plan would just be so intuitive in my sessions with kids. And I'm like, oh, of course, let's do this. We'll try this out. Um, This is how we'll practice this. And I realized that, you know, I'm blending a lot of my skill set there that and and clinical knowledge. And I don't realize how that not, not everyone has access to those, that type of background information. And, and in the way that I'm seeing it, uh, my own special perspective here that it, things got lost in translation when I was trying to coordinate that with the rest of the team. And I'm like, yeah, just like, you know, like you'll see it. You'll like, (laughs) but I think having it spelled out for some people can be very helpful. Um, and it makes it really clear. And, and when those clear things can be communicated, the more, the more they're, they're able to really take hold, um, for people who are, are supporting in this implementation. This continuity between and, and communication about communication, how about that, huh? Uh, this communication about communication between the team members is so important because you'll find that um, as a therapist, I find that the family members have all these amazing ideas on on ways that they are already implementing the device or spots where they can implement um, some some different communication methods here. Um, and But we wouldn't be able to see those moments if they weren't brought to our roundtable discussion. And that goes with the other therapists, that goes with um, different people that this child is interacting with. And so my third reminder to you and, and third recommendation for you when you're creating this implementation plan is to have set check-in points at least monthly um, every two weeks is great too, um, but as frequently as you can um, to have these types of discussions with the team. It keeps the momentum going. It keeps the success high. It allows us this touch point to address any issues that come up. It keeps the excitement going too. I used to, just by the way that, that things flowed on, on previous teams, would have check-ins um, quarterly um, following a school calendar. And I noticed that that was a really long time to wait in between in between um, meetings. And after the meeting, um, the excitement would be really high. We'd get a lot of um, communication going back and forth between the team. Um, and we'd be really on top of our implementation plan. And then things would kind of fade out um, and, and lose traction a bit and then dip down a little bit lower. And then they would we'd have to wait until that check-in point to resume more excitement and, and continue on with the end implementation plan. So having that check-in points are going to be really important um, for the child and their success. They don't have to be really formal meetings either, and they don't have to be really long ones. I think that um, actually when they're not that long and when you honor people's times, um, 
and you protect that time block for the family by and prioritize it, you are likely going to get some good attendance at those meetings when it comes to the to the full team approach um, because they know they're going to get something out of it. It's going to be a fruitful conversation. It creates a system of accountability, and it also can organically lead to support. It might be somebody saying like, hey, um, you expressed that you were really – you know, you were struggling with this, this area of the plan, like, let me show you how I was going to do that. It doesn't have to come from the team lead um, or, or the therapist per se, or the family member. It can come between um, different team members. Number four, my final reminder for you and recommendation slash tip is to make it fun, make it engaging and make it meaningful. This goes back to the other part of the conversation around what is a relationship that you have with the device? What do you have? What kind of relationship do you have with the instrument if you're the musician? At the very beginning, I want to make sure that this device is associated with all the fun things. So I'm playing games with it. We're eating snacks with it. We're talking about our favorite things with the device um, and making it engaging that way. We want it to be relevant so the child will actually look to this as an extension of their voice. Honestly, at the beginning, it might mean that when they request a piece of candy, you might give them a piece of candy. Pique their interest. You got the hook. (laughs) And then it's going to evolve. It won't always be just to request candy. Actually, that is a sign that you need to shake things up in your implementation plan is if you are only doing requesting things um, through the device. There are categories of communication um, that your child needs to have access to. And one of the goals that I have for each student that I work with, no matter where they're at, whatever their profile looks like, is going to be to tell stories. And for them, Usually personal stories um, make the most sense and they're most meaningful and engaging. So it could be about family members. It could be about um, a vacation that they went on recently or their everyday um, life and experience or some of their favorite activities. As human beings, we are storytellers. And so the reward moves beyond the, the piece of candy that they requested from using the device um, as like an an immediate cause and effect thing. And the reward becomes that meaningful connection that you have with that person because you are able to share and express your thoughts and ideas and stories about yourself. So this is one of the reasons why I don't use any type of really external reward system. There's no sticker chart that goes along with this in 99% of the cases um, because the communication itself is the reward. I mean, I just have also a bunch of other issues with external um, reward systems and, and wanting to make sure that the AAC has intrinsic reward and meaning for the child. One of the things that I have told my students, not just when I work on AAC things with them and assistive tech things with them, I I say this when I'm working on speech sounds or language things, like it's great if you can do that with me um, in our our really specific setting. Um, But what is going to be more meaningful is if you can do this skill um, and practice this in your classroom, in front of your friends, at the dinner table. 
within the community to make this engaging, um, generalizing the skill. We're meant to be communicating and connecting with our peers and AAC can do that in monumental ways, in huge, huge, huge huge ways if we allow it to um, and if we are brave enough to move the device throughout different settings um, and challenge ourselves and our students to be in learning mode, to try new things, and to seek out the support of someone like myself, someone who has seen this implemented before, has seen success in it, and can see things that you might be a little too close to, who can expand you and your vision for what's possible. That's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of the Friends and Family Guide to Speech Therapy and ADHD Coaching. If you found this podcast helpful, please consider giving us a five-star rating on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback helps us reach more people. Also, don't forget to share this podcast with your friends and family who might benefit from the information we discussed today and to continue this conversation with them. Thanks again for listening, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.